Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy-efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, the red button means that we are indeed live. But you guys know the drill. We got to let it breathe. Let this stream breathe just for a couple of more seconds. Make sure it's nice and stable for our great audience out here in Broncos country. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him. You love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, should or should not Von Miller change his jersey number to the number he wore in college and oh so temporarily in his initial months as a Bronco, the number 40. He put a poll out for those who missed it. He put a poll out over the weekend saying he's considering switching his number from 58 back to 40 because it is now okay for per NFL mandate for linebackers to wear 40 numbers now where it wasn't when he was a rookie entering the league in 2011. 75% of the audience said, no, keep 58. What's your take, Zach? Yeah, you know, uh, most things around the NFL, I really don't care about minuscule things like this, technical things like this, but I'm a traditionalist when it comes to jersey numbers. I really like Von era linebacker in the 50s. 58 has become an iconic number in, in Broncos lore associated with Von Miller, a future first ballot Hall of Famer, Super Bowl MVP. I mean, the guy is just an all-world type player, and he made 58 what it is today. It's, it's, a, pretty, it's a pretty nondescript number. It's not 51, it's not 55, it's not 50, it's 58, and I think he made that his to me fullbacks or running backs should be in the 40s you know i'm just i'm very old school that way i like things kind of how the nfl had it before they relaxed that policy so i hope he doesn't change it yeah i mean i understand why he went with 58 because he wasn't allowed to wear the 40 as a rookie and he wanted to honor Derek thomas the hall of famer former kansas city chief the late great Derek thomas and the reason for that i think was because so many draft picks compared von miller to Derek Thomas when he was coming out of college at Texas A&M in 2011. So he wanted to honor it. 
Now you're right. That 58 has its own luster. And I think most football fans, modern football fans, when they see the number 58, they don't think of Derek Thomas. They think of Von Miller. And it has actually passed on and beyond Von because look what Elvis Dumerville wore when he went to the Ravens. He wore 58 to honor his buddy, Von Miller. Look what Shaq Barrett is now wearing in Tampa Bay, the number 58. So it does have a special significance. And the other aspect, Zach, is that even though there are now three linebackers on this roster wearing numbers in the 40s, Alexander Johnson, Josie Jewell, Joe Jones, Von's jersey is currently in the top 50, according to the NFLPA, and jersey sales sitting Nice and comfortable at number 34. Now, who's to say if he were to change off of 58 to 40 that that would alter his ranking? But why fix what ain't broke? Right. And, you know, I see a lot of comments saying it won't be wearable anymore. A lot of fans have his jersey and his T-shirts and his apparel with his number on it. He doesn't care about that. If he wants to change his jersey number, he's not taking fans' money into consideration. But my thought is this. When... If or when the Broncos retire his number, how would they do it with two numbers? It wouldn't be 58 and 40. You know, we're not going to hang two numbers from the rafters. I think he knows that his lore is built around that number. He's become just a, a Hall of Fame player wearing number 58. So it's it's one of those things where there's nothing going on right now. It's the dead of the offseason. He's just looking for something to put out there, take maybe the spotlight off of the issue that we won't talk about and kind of yeah. having some fun with the audience. I don't think he's going to do it, Chad. Yeah, I really do think it's more about a star player just being bored and just wanting some social media interaction because they're like us. Been, yeah, very much so. Very much so. But it's it's been it's been an inordinately long offseason. No, I mean, not to say that he's just been sitting on his his rear end. Obviously, he's been working out uh, in San Francisco. I'm sure he's been working out individually when he's at home. But no, no team-oriented stuff, really. No UC Health Training Center, OTAs, no mini camps. The dude is probably bored by this point. You know, it's basically what he's done the last three months, similar to us, is what he would traditionally be doing in these next six weeks. And so he's just bored, man. He's just been doing the same thing forever. All these guys, including Vaughn, the best medicine at this point is just getting back out on the grass on July 28th. Yeah, when uh, training camp rolls around, if, if we have a preseason, if we have a regular season, which I think we will, this won't even be a, a remembrance, Chad. This is just a, a here and now in the June dead period kind of thing. Well, gang, speaking of the dead period, not much happened in Bronco land today on Monday by way of news or anything fresh and, and uh, particularly novel happening in Broncos country. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about we're going to get kind of put on our analysis hats and we're going to talk about an interesting selection by Sports Illustrated, one of Sports Illustrated's national voices, Connor Orr, when he chose Garrett Bowles as the Denver Broncos most underrated player. He went all 32 teams, picked what what player he felt was the most underrated. And for the Broncos, it was Bowles. I found that to be highly questionable, and I hate being at odds with the national voices at SI because we cover the team locally for SI. However, we got to go in on this, Zach, because I think it's it's not only wrong, it's dead wrong. Not to say that Garrett Bowles isn't underrated in some sense. Like, you can make that argument, but I think there's at least five players that have a better case for being named the most underrated Bronco, and we're going to get to that. And I want to get your take on that as well, obviously, Zach. First, real quick, though, a couple quick matters of business. You guys know the drill. The podcast continues to grow despite being in the dead period across all platforms, and we want to make sure that our 
new listeners know how to connect with us on social media. Make sure you're following Huddle Up Podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. That is how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the podcast in real time. And while you're at it, make sure you're following the mother account at Mile High Huddle, breaking Broncos news and analysis all day long and twice on Sunday. If you're in a position, gang, check out the uh, merch store, huddleuppod.com, if I can get it to work on the screen here. Get your swag on. Get yourself one of these football priest hats. Get a football priest T-shirt. Mile High Huddle State of Being hoodie. Huddle Up Podcast mug. Face mask. we got a little something for everybody out there. Different times of the year. It's summer. You want to get yourself a uh, – what was it you made? It was uh, – what was the last thing you made? It was a uh, tank top. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Myself. Well, the mug uh, was, but a piece of clothing, it was the tank top. Yes, that's right. That's right. Anyway, a little something for everybody. If you're in a position, check that out. It's another way to support what we're doing here at MHH. And if you're not in a position to do that, it's all good. We're just grateful to have you here listening, participating in the live stream or listening to this as a podcast. After the fact, three things you can do no matter where or how you're listening to this podcast is make sure, number one, that you are subscribed. Make sure you like this video or this episode wherever you're listening and then share it out there to your friends and family and help us reach other like-minded Broncos fans and help us continue to grow MHH, which has just skyrocketed over the last, I would say, nine months into a whole new stratosphere. And it's thanks to you guys in Broncos country. It's, it's thanks to our great listeners in our community that this thing has really just snowballed. So those three simple things, subscribe, like, share. You guys know the drill. We appreciate you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach. So really quick, let's just welcome in those who are hanging out in the stream. We got Toy Mafia. We got Paul on Facebook. We got BG, Brian Greenfield in the house. 
Eclipse Stormborn holding it down for Broncos country, representing out in Philadelphia. Big E. We got Jody. Buana's with us, of course. Mundungus. That's a new name. I don't recognize Mundungus. Very uh, unique handle you got there, my dog. And uh, let's see who else we got real quick. Nathan, Talon. Welcome in, everybody. Before we dive into the main subject matter, I just want to grab, you know, how the stream does its thing sometimes and, and jumps over specific comments sometimes and super chats where we can't climb back up and grab them. Let me just grab the two supers, our superstars that are already weighing in, supporting what we're doing here. And then we'll dive into this article by Connor Orr and my kind of rebuttal. Mike Evans, bona fide super chat superstar here at MHH. We really appreciate you, my friend, with the $10 super. Thank you, Mike. He says, who brings more value to the defense, Malik Reed or Justin mm -hmm. Holland? Appreciate y'all. You know, that's a good question. And I guess it depends on how you view the issue. But to me, Zach, Malik Reed at least showed a little something last year. Mm -hmm. um, I'm still waiting for a moment where I can go, wow, Justin Hollins, that was a great play. I think he did have one sack as a rookie, but the Broncos tried him at off-ball linebacker. It just wasn't good. It's just He just needs to play edge. I think right now you could make the argument that Justin Hollins has more value because he can kind of play too. But Malik Reed played a little off-ball at Nevada as well. So in theory, he could play both, even though the Broncos are only going to keep him on the edge. But to me, it's Malik Reed just because – what he brings to the table as a little bit more of a proven pass rusher, even though they were both rookies last year, Malik Reed was a little bit more productive. It comes down to quality versus quantity for me. It, it, Justin, Justin Hollins can play two positions, so by quantity, he offers more values, but I think Malik Reed is a better pass rusher at edge, so he brings the quality aspect to the table. I, I think in this kind of quarterback-driven, passing-driven kind of league, Chad, you have to have pass rushers more than um, – off-ball guys. I think that's, if you boil it down to a position-by-position position comparison, edge guys are head and shoulders more valuable to a team uh, uh, compared to off-ball li linebackers. So I'm going to go Malik Reed. I think he showed a lot of juice last year. I like what he brought to the table as a UDFA. Um, I just think behind Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, good place to learn. You know, I think that Justin Hollins might end up having a little bit more upside. I mean, just based on his measurables and just based on his length, based on his explosiveness. But Malik Reed's just one of those, you know, undersized, but really has figured out, despite his size, to figure out how to be productive. You know, high football IQ, really hard worker, the work ethic you got to love. And those guys just find a way to stick in the NFL, and they find a way to just get it done on Sundays. So we're hoping that both of them find a way to shine in 2020. But there's a chance one of those two might not even make the final roster this year. It'll be interesting to see how the edge – position shapes up and one real quick one more and then we'll dive into the bulls thing from one of our super uh, superstars and actually an mhh mount rushmore member david kilgore jumping in with the super chat thank you letting dude. us know hey guys sorry i've been gone for a while ended up catching the thing that cannot be named oh, thanks for all that no. you guys do hate hearing that david that hate sucks. hearing that hopefully everything's going okay hopefully you're in touch with your I'm sure you have been in touch with your family doctor or, or at least medical professionals on this topic. And our thoughts and our prayers will be with you, my friend. And if there's anything we can do to help out, be sure to, to reach out and let us know. And otherwise, we'll just keep doing what we do and giving you the what we do, giving you the, the Broncos information of the day, some analysis and hopefully some small escape from from right. 
going through that right now. But man, we're with you. Yeah, David, that's terrible to hear. I'm so sorry to hear that. Please be well and get well soon and let us be your haven for an hour, you know, four days a week. Just just tune into us, talk some Broncos with us and get your mind off that issue. Hopefully that your family's okay and everyone, I'm sure you're taking necessary precautions, everything like that. Hopefully you'll be better soon and just let us know if we can do anything like Chad said to expedite that healing process. Last one real quick from Eclipse and then we'll dive in. Really appreciate the support, man. It lately been so outgoing in your support for the podcast and for MHH. And it just means a lot to us, my friend. He says, happy Monday, priests and Broncos country. The number 58 in orange is synonymous with Miller on the back. Future first ballot Hall of Famer. Hashtag state of being and hashtag let them hate. Love that. Love that. Let them hate. Yeah, I mean, that's it's true. 58 for this era is synonymous with Vaughn Miller. Yeah, he's just, he's come to be known. You know, if you, if you think 58, if that number in any scenario, any context pops into your head, what are you guys thinking? Vaughn Miller sacking a quarterback. I mean, when you have that legendary type status, you don't, as Chad said, fix what isn't broken. I'd be highly, highly surprised if he made the move to 40 and kind of undid that, that legacy as superficial as it would appear. All right, let's get to this, the main crux of tonight's podcast and gang we're going to come back to whatever questions you might have topics you want to get to tonight and of course we want your take on the very issue we're about to deep dive on here um is it doing the share screen it is okay good so let me just first off set the stage here zach by reading what sports illustrated's connor Orr had to say about why he selected garrett bulls as the broncos most underrated and there's a reason why this seems familiar because I believe it was PFF, Zach, and I don't know, a month ago, at some point in May, I'm pretty sure it was after the draft anyway, they came out with their own underrated list and also tapped Garibald. So in that sense, you've got um, Connor Orr kind of jumping on that, that bandwagon as it were. But here's what he said, quote, I may be in the minority here, but I think it's noteworthy that Pro Football Focus noted a year-over-year improvement each season for Bulls, and despite Denver's lack of confidence, they declined his fifth-year option, he is above replacement level at the tackle position, and that is hard to find. Pro Football Focus graded Bulls as the 14th best run blocker and 19th best pass blocker among all qualifying tackles, which, again, in this market is not easy to find. Would you rather deal with Bulls and continue to ride this slower-than-desired ascension? or spend a pair of first-round picks on someone like Laramie Tunsil, who is better, but not two first-round picks better. Close quote. So before we get to kind of my rebuttal on this topic, what's your reaction to, to Orr's analysis here on Bulls? I just think he's kind of talking in circles. It, it doesn't say much about Garrett Bowles that he's above replacement level. How does this uh, justify his years of ineptitude? And if he's comparing a year-by-year comparison, that's not saying much. It's like saying Vic Fangio is a better coach than Vance Joseph on a year-by-year basis. It's just when you're that bad, the bar is so low. And it, it doesn't have to be either or. It doesn't have to be Garrett Bowles or Laramie Tunsil. They can find a tackle who's consistent, who's above average, who's reliable. It doesn't have to be one or the other. And uh, again, it comes down to not settling. I don't want the 19th best pass blocker who I used a first round draft pick on number 20 overall entering his fourth season with a loaded offense and the best OL coach in the business. 
I wouldn't call him overrated, that's for sure, but I don't understand how he's underrated when he's been whipped year in and year out. You can talk about the quarterbacks. You can talk about his mental grasp of the game. You can talk about him being a raw prospect, but he's been, for the most part, a disaster for three seasons, Chad. So underrated, like you named five players. I can name five players. A lot more uh, deserving candidates for that honor than Garrett Bowles. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. I think the only angle in which you can make an argument that Bulls is underrated is his play down the stretch last season. But it was compared to the previous sample size, the two and a half years of play as a former first-round pick of the team, like it's actually worse. It's actually more of a possible outlier Garrett Bowles' relatively small sample size of good play than the Drew Locke five games as a starter because you had two and a half years of just boneheaded Garrett Bowles' performances one game after another. So you have to wonder how much it really was an outlier. I think that that, that Drew Locke helped him kind of turn the corner and may even have, in a way, saved his career as a Bronco, not, not by obviously enough to garner the fifth-year option, but – I think you're going to see Garrett Bowles continue to play well and continue on that trajectory of improved play. Now, does that make him an elite or will that make him an elite left tackle? Um, it's way too soon for me to even come close to saying anything like that. But in terms of being underrated, Zach, week nine on is really the only time we have seen anything even remotely close to a sustained level of quality play or approaching quality play from Garrett Bowles, regardless of what, PFF grades, because again, those those 14th best run blocker, 19th best pass blocker, that's great and all, but it's based on their relatively arbitrary grading system. 
So when you start getting into the actual advanced metrics, and there are different metrics for pressures allowed and stuff like that with regard to offensive linemen, there's some real there there with regard to PFF stats. But the grades, the rankings are based on the grades, and that's where I don't really take them seriously. It doesn't matter to me that, that PFF says he's 14th at this and 19th at that because it's all based on the arbitrary grades. So is he underrated? Maybe in a sense you could say he's slightly underrated, but the most underrated on the roster, that, Zach, is where I have a bone to pick. And, in fact, just off the top of my head, really, I threw out five players that I see as probably being more deserving of that honor of being most underrated than Garrett Bowles. And let me just start with the first one because I know you'll probably have a bone to pick with this. But Todd Davis, let me just tell you why I think Todd Davis is under, an underrated player and more deserving than Garrett Bowles. First and foremost, we know that Davis doesn't move the needle as a coverage linebacker. However, he is one of the best run-stuffing linebackers in the NFL. He rarely misses tackles. You throw in the fact that he is a very assertive leader, a firebrand, if you will. He's underrated. In the last four years, so he became a starter immediately following Super Bowl 50 because Danny Trevathan took the money and signed with Chicago. And so the Broncos put Davis next to Brandon Marshall. And ever since then, he's basically been the shoe-in incumbent starting off-ball linebacker. In the four years that he's took over as a starter, he's averaged over 100 tackles per season. And yet he's perennially dismissed and unloved, I think, by a, a large swath of Broncos fans and virtually ignored by the national media. It's because he's so bad in pass coverage, Chad. It's, he's not even just like below average. He's not inconsistent. He's just playing terrible. It looks like he's running in cement boots. If this was 2003, 2004, when the NFL was a, uh, mostly a running league, if that was still the case, yeah, he'd be underrated. But in terms of this kind of sport, what it's become nowadays, what it's evolved into, a passing league, when you see him running five, ten steps behind Darren Waller, of all people, that's when you know you have a problem. And I, some of that falls on coaching for scheming Davis on those players. But I don't think you could be underrated because you're a good run stuffer. I, I agree. He's good in that area. He's good in that role. He's a decent leader on defense. He has skin in the game. He's been around the Broncos for a while now. I just think he's so bad, though, in one area of his job where it kind of disqualifies him from that label of underrated. Real quick, let me grab this from Zach. Web design, one of our superstars jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Zach. His reaction is, like, I understand Bowles is a first-round pick and stuff, but the thing that worries me is between the ears. He really needs to grow before I trust him. And honestly, Zach, I think that is that is a perspective shared by the Broncos' front office. They want to see Bowles put it to – the only thing missing is between the ears. He's got the talent. He's got the measurables. Look what he did at the Combine back in 2017. Impressed the heck out of a lot of NFL teams – the Broncos weren't the only team clamoring for Garrett Bowles. Now, maybe someone else, you know, another guy would have been made the first tackle off the board, a guy by the name of Ryan Ramchick, if the Broncos don't take Garrett Bowles. But Bowles was a coveted tackle prospect in, in what was a very weak tackle pros, uh, class, excuse me, in 2017. But the Broncos need to see him put it together between the ears. I think Zach's web design is 100% correct on that. But how much longer will we give him to do that, Chad? I mean, how many more excuses and years do we have to take for him to develop behind the ears and between the ears and develop a mental grasp of the game? Is it going to be his fourth year, his eighth year, his twelfth year, when he's 30, when he's 35? How much longer will we have to live with Garrett Bowles believe, being 
replacement level even. And let me ask you a question. What other first round pick would it be okay to have an above replacement level tag associated to him? Wouldn't it fly with quarterback? Wouldn't it fly with cornerback? Wouldn't it fly with edge rusher? And those positions, I rank them quarterback, offensive tackle, left tackle, your blindside guy, cornerback, and edge rusher. Those are the most important positions in the NFL. So Garrett Bowles plays the second most important position, and he's only above replacement level. That's good enough. Ryan Ramchick is way above replacement level. He was a first-round tackle, same class. Why can't we have the same expectations for Bowles? Why can't we want the same thing the Saints are getting with their tackle? I understand one's right versus one's left, but I just don't settle on those laurels that he was okay when Drew Locke was starting for five games. If he's okay the entire season this year with Drew Locke starting, I will eat plenty of crow. I will say he's improved, he's turned a corner, but to crown him as under rated or to coddle him based on five games versus two years of incompetency i can't get behind that all right let me move on to another guy that i think you is an argument for being more underrated than garrett bulls and that's shelby harris because in two of the three years he's been in denver he finished within the top three and on the team in sacks and that's you know for a team that's that has rostered some pretty prolific edge rushers that's saying something. In 2017, um, he finished second. His first year, he was a backup, and he finished second on the team with five and a half sacks behind only Von Miller. 2018 was kind of a step back. Vance Joseph and Joe Woods kind of didn't know what to do with him for whatever reason. He wasn't as productive. But this past season, of course, after the Vic Fangio regime figures out we got it wrong, putting him in nose tackle, kicked him back out to where he belongs – as a defensive end and a, and a three tech, uh, a three, four, and five tech, the production came. He finished with six sacks, which was good for third on the team behind Von Miller, number one, with eight, Derek Wolf, number two, with seven, and then Shelby Harris. So I think obviously he expected to find a much more bullish market when he hit free agency this past uh, spring, but I really do think he's an underrated player and. This could be the year where he really proves to the NFL at large, he's back on a one-year deal, Zach, that he really proves that, look, the six sacks I produced as an interior rusher last year, that wasn't an an anomaly. Look what I can do uh, with a second full season as a starter. Because last year was only his first year as a bona fide incumbent starter. I was really surprised he didn't get a a multi-year contract in free agency considering the season that he had. And he's a young talent who hasn't reached his ceiling, I think. But it was a a weird market for defensive linemen. And when you consider Derek Wolf didn't get a multi-year deal either... It suggests that the Broncos were viewed differently. It says they don't really see their players in the same tier as the other free agents like Calias Campbell and some of the other players that were available. Shelby Harris, though, Chad, I've watched a lot of 2019 film lately. Every time there's a big play in crunch time, it's always Harris. Whether it's a sack, quarterback pressure, quarterback hit, or batted balls, the guy is just always coming up clutch. And you can't teach that. You can't can't work on that. You can't buy that. That's inherited in a player through birth. You are born with that quality, and Shelby Harris does nothing but make plays every time he's on the field. So, yeah, no one, I think, outside the Broncos knows his name even, and that's why he's underrated. Everyone knows Garrett Bowles' name because he's so bad. No one knows Shelby Harris because he's underratedly very, very good. All right. Next one here. I I would say, and you can pick a bone with me on this, Philip Lindsay is underrated and more underrated than Garrett Bowles. And I know you're into Pro Bowl nod for his sensational rookie season. You know, then he produces back-to-back thousand-yard rushing seasons in two uh, full full years in the NFL. 
And for that production, Zach, he is his national profile is surprisingly low because what's been the buzz, what's been the talking points from the national perspective? Anytime the Broncos are talked about as an offense, fantasy, the rushing attack gets mentioned. Everyone wants to talk and focus on Melvin Gordon. I got to remind everybody, Gordon, as great as he, I think he's a really good running back. I think he's an upper echelon running back in the league. He's got five NFL seasons under his belt. Lindsey has two. Gordon has one 1,000-yard rushing campaign as a former first-round pick. Lindsey has two in as many years and went undrafted. So I think Lindsey remains egregiously underrated in the NFL. And, Zach, I think an argument could be made that he's even underrated by his own team. Right. That, that's exactly the point I was going to make, Chad. Uh, yeah, the, the Broncos didn't think that highly of him, even though he has a 2,000-yard season under his belt, even though he was a pro bowler, even though he's worked his way up and became a hometown fan favorite, almost legendary player considering his stature and, and where he rose up the ranks from the sixth string to first string. He's underrated by his own team, and that says that's that should tell you what the national media thinks. They don't even like you said. They look at the roster and see Melvin Gordon. He's a new workhorse. He's the number one guy there. And even the Broncos players have have underrated Philip Lindsay. It was all let's pay number thirty, let's give him the contract number thirty forever. Then Melvin Gordon comes in. It's oh Lindsay can't catch passes. He can be the second guy in the, in the rotation. He can be the backup. He, we don't need him anymore. That's when you know you have an underrated guy. And he's going to prove that this season to Melvin Gordon, to the Broncos, to the national media, to the fans, that he deserves to be around. He deserves to get paid. He deserves to be the guy on a team, whether it's the Broncos or another team. So I agree with that. He's way more underrated than Garrett Bowles. All right, two more really quick. Kareem Jackson, I believe, is more deserving of saying he's the most underrated player on this roster than Garrett Bowles. Now, he's only been in Denver for one year, but is there – think back to how – impactful Kareem was in his first year in Denver. Was there any justifiable reason he shouldn't have been elected to the Pro Bowl? He posted 71 tackles. He had a couple of picks. He scored a touchdown on defense, forced a fumble. It was enough to earn him Pro Bowl alternate honors, but he still didn't make it into into the All-Star game. And before people mention, well, you know, he was suspended, so that disqualifies him from the Pro Bowl. That's not true. The only suspension that disqualifies players from the Pro Bowl are PED suspensions. This was a DUI suspension. So I think, you know, maybe if he doesn't get suspended, he gets enough stats potentially to get him over the hump and and be one of the players to actually appear in the Pro Bowl, not just be an alternate. But I do think there's an argument to be made. I think everyone realized last year how underrated Kareem Jackson was in Houston what the Texans were missing by letting him leave last year and what the Broncos have in him. Yeah, I, I think the first part of that is way more accurate, that it made everyone, including the Texans, see they we really had a good player on our hands. We didn't treat him like we should have. But my personal rule with this is why I've omitted a couple of players like Dalton Reisner. I want to see more than one year in a Broncos right. uniform before yeah, I consider sure. them underrated. So Kareem Jackson, great safety, huge upgrade on Darian Stewart. He's great pairing with Justin Simmons. If he can do it again this year, I will say he's underrated. But if he does it again this year, he might not have to be underrated. I think he would get enough attention on a national scale. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. 
Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Okay, I want to throw one more at you. And it will still have the same argument as Kareem as kind of a one-year Bronco wonder anyway. But I want to get your thoughts on on this last guy. And then, of course, anyone that you think I might have missed that you think is more deserving yeah. of being considered underrated. But it's Alexander Johnson. It It is a little bit of a harder sell to call Johnson underrated because he has that only one season as a starter under his belt. But he did establish himself as an elite run defending linebacker from week five on last year. And maybe not a prolific pass coverage linebacker. But I think passable, I think you could get by with Johnson as one of two linebackers in any defense. Not just get by, I think you could thrive. He ended up as the fourth highest graded linebacker in the entire NFL per pro football focus for whatever that's worth to you. But you look at those off-ball linebackers that are graded up there with him, majority of them are Pro Bowl guys or guys who've been to the Pro Bowl at differing points in their career. So He's another Bronco that I think if the, if they had been a winning squad last year and yeah. they had finished with double-digit wins, he's a guy that probably garners some individual accolades, which tells me that if he keeps it going in 2020, you know, maintains that momentum and trajectory, he's probably a lock for either the Pro Bowl or at least garnering some kind of all-pro nod, something like that, Alexander Johnson. Yeah, that's a, that's a good argument you made for him, Chad. And my, my rule still applies where I want to see him just one more year do it consistently. Then I will say he can he can you know garner that kind of title. Uh, he was great though. He was a revelation for Broncos defense that has long been looking for a capable inside linebacker to succeed Danny Trevathan. They haven't really found one yet. And Johnson was just a breath of fresh air on defense. He did for the defense what Locke did for the offense. Just literally raised everybody up, brought the energy level up. He did, did his little dinosaur dance. He's a very exciting player to watch. He has some pass coverage deficiencies, but he also has the attitude that I love. I read a story from the Denver Post recently, and he said, we know the, the book's out on us. Him and Todd Davis were not great uh, coverage linebackers. We want to change that. I love hearing those type of things from players that stay motivated, want to be better. They're hearing the outside noise and using that to fuel him. So I like Johnson a lot as a player. I'm willing to say he's you know, a burgeoning, underrated player, just not there quite yet. You know, he doesn't have a, a big enough sample size, just like Kareem Jackson in a Broncos uniform. 
Okay, I want to get your thoughts on anyone I might have missed, but I know everyone is going to be screaming about what Glenn's saying here. Justin Simmons, yeah. Justin Simmons, why isn't he on the list? And I think it's a, it's fair to say that he's underrated, but the only reason I didn't include him in the top five, he's deserving of being in the top five. The only reason I didn't include him is because he did earn all pro honors last year. So was he snubbed in the Pro Bowl? Yes. And in that sense, he is underrated, but he did earn second team all pro Justin Simmons. So I get what you're saying there, Glenn. And it did occur to me. I was thinking about that as I was writing it, but I held off because he did garner one of the two most coveted individual accolades that every NFL player aspires to last year. So with that being said, Zach, is there anyone, maybe Justin Simmons is one of them in your opinion, you might have a different argument, but your take. Simmons was one, but based on what you just laid out, he, he's probably the third most recognizable Broncos player behind Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. He's starting to really get a lot of national acclaim. He graded out as the number two safety in the entire NFL per pro football focus. So I think he, a lot of fans, not just Broncos fans, know who Simmons is. I can't really think of any because there's so much turnover on the roster the last couple of years. They have so many new starters, so many young starters. I'm thinking still, to an extent, Cortland Sutton. I mean, this is an 1,100-yard wide receiver. He makes ridiculous catches. He snatches souls. He's going to be the best Broncos receiver, I think, since Rod Smith. And yet, not a lot of players, not a lot of fans, not a lot of teams really know his name just yet. That will change this season. He will be an all-pro guy, Pro Bowl at the minimum. He's going to have a huge year. But I think for now, compared to the Julio Joneses and the DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, I think he's a little underrated on, on a grand scheme. I think you're right. The same thing that with Simmons applies in terms of he did at least get the Pro Bowl nod, so I didn't I didn't quite include him. I mentioned him earlier in the piece, but I didn't quite include him. But you're right that he is underrated. And there's two aspects to Cortland Sutton's game that, to me, really speak to how special he is as a talent and where he's headed. First and foremost, he was by himself in that wide receiver core. Now, I get it. Sanders was there through the first six, seven weeks, whatever it was, Emmanuel Sanders, but – from then on out, he had to do all the heavy lifting. He was receiving no complimentary help from the Deshaun's of the world, the Tim Patrick's of the world. Um, he just he was a man on an island in that sense. And so it didn't take long for opposing defenses to just start cheating help his way, and yet he still found ways to produce. The second thing that makes me so stoked on Gar- on uh, Carapoles, on Cortland Sutton is the fact that he managed to produce that 1,100-yard season with three different quarterbacks, two of which, let's face it, Joe Flacco, he was a shell of the, I mean, whatever the most optimistic opinion you could have, most fair and positive review you could have on Joe Flacco's pre-Bronco career, whatever his pinnacle was, maybe it was the 2012 year where they won the Super Bowl and all, whatever that version of Flacco is, he was a shell of that in those eight games he started for the Denver Broncos. He was a walking liability. And we took a lot of heat on this podcast, and understandably so, for our criti- our criticism of Joe Flacco through that first two quarters of the season because it's natural that fans close ranks around their quarterback, whether his name is Joe Flacco, Peyton Manning, Trevor Simeon, whoever it is, fans are going to naturally close ranks around their guys. Just like if, you know, you, you can talk crap about, you know, your best friend. But as soon as someone else does, you're going to stand up and, and get and, and defend him. And it's that same principle. But you, even you get to Brandon Allen, Zach, I mean, it looked good for about six quarters and then it went south really quickly. And then, of course, finally Drew Lockett's in there. So those two elements, man, I think you're right that he is definitely underrated. And by the time the calendar year of 2020 is over, 
I don't think that'll be an issue for Cortland Sutton anymore. No, everyone is going to know number 14 around the NFL. We're all going to see his jersey being a highly, you know, high seller. Everyone's going to know who Cortland Sutton is by the end of this season. KP jumping in down in Florida with the $5 super. Really appreciate that, Kevin. He says, I don't care if Vaughn wears a blue and orange tutu. If he gets sacks, I'll love him as usual. And his manhood wouldn't (laughs) be in question, according to KP. Yeah, man, it really, I mean, I get what you're saying, that it doesn't matter. He's in the orange and blue. The number doesn't matter. And in the grand scheme of things, the number doesn't really matter. But when we're sitting here on June 29th and Vaughn (laughs) Miller is tweeting out polls on should I change my number, it's a fun subject to talk about because there's nothing else happening. And when we had the last, you know, three, four months like we've had, Chad, other bigger issues going on, it's nice to talk about football and jerseys. It's it's a needed yeah. uh, question right now. So I appreciated that from that aspect. That's why we all show up. We as hosts, Vaughn okay. Beast as a producer and a community um, shepherd, if you will, our great community, we, we all tune in here and show up for this to get our minds off of what's happening elsewhere and to talk about something we're all passionate about, which is the Denver Broncos. Uh, John on YouTube, now that Cam Newton is with the Patriots, are they title contenders again? And Zach, I'm going to let you answer this straight up, but I just want to mention one thing. Cam Newton went from the street to being in the top 10 or 11 for MVP odds by virtue of signing with the Patriots. What's your answer for John? I don't think they were ever not title contenders, even after losing Tom Brady. I mean, you can say what you want about Belichick, but he would have that team in a position to compete every single season, no matter who his quarterback was. Cam Newton is an upgrade on Jared Stidham, but between having Belichick's prowess, they still have a good defense. They still have some pieces on offense. They were always kind of going to be in the hunt. Now, you're not getting 2013-2015 Cam Newton. You're getting 2020 Cam Newton. The, we don't know what we have. He's coming off a Liz Frank injury. It's a very serious foot injury. Coming off a shoulder. We really don't know what he brings to the table. He's been inactive. It's been a weird offseason. There are contenders for the AFC East, and I feel bad for the Bills who just can't get their break. They've waited so long. I wouldn't say for the AFC, though. I, I still think you know you have a lot of teams in there who were in a surprise this season. I don't think that the Patriots' magic, I think it ran out last year, Chad, with that Titans, that loss. Even though it was Brady kind of breaking down, it just seems like their run is over and they're kind of passing the buck and the baton to the next team. I never thought they would tank, though, for Trevor Lawrence. I didn't think that was a possibility. Kind of crossed my mind, but I knew Belichick had a, a, a trick up his sleeve, and that trick was Cam Newton. You know, I'd be lying to you if I didn't admit that I'm really curious to see how this all plays out with Cam Newton and the Patriots and whether or not – I mean, it's not only going to speak to Bill Belichick's wherewithal – as a GM, as a decision maker, as a roster builder, and as a coach. But Josh McDaniels, you know, this is this is going to have to be a very different offense than what Josh McDaniels designed for Tom Brady. So it's going to be interesting to see. I don't necessarily think to, to tender my answer on this, that it automa- automatically, by virtue of Cam Newton hitting this roster, makes the Patriots a contender just because, let's face it, Cam Newton – has been a shell of the player he was yeah. when he won the MVP in 2015. Post that run-in he had with Vaughn Miller at, uh, in Santa Clara, California, he's just not been the same guy. So there's a side of me that says, you know, what's how's he going to look? How's that foot going to look? How's he going to hold up health-wise? If those two things end up being okay, if he is 100% healed up and good to go, 
you know, this is a team that's going to, anytime you have a competent quarterback, and no matter what anyone has to say about Cam Newton, he is at bottom, bare minimum, a competent NFL starting quarterback. And you combine that with the coaching savvy of both Belichick and McDaniels, you're going to have a potent and dangerous combination. So it's going to be fun to see how that shakes out. Let's grab really quick Hardy here on Facebook, who's just making a point, a reaction to what we're saying here. When Drew Locke took over, Garrett Bowles showed that he has actually developed into a very good tackle. His problem is he can't not hold when his quarterback holds the ball too long and is not mobile. I think there's some truth to what you're saying there in terms of how Drew Locke helped Garrett Bowles in so many ways, in so many ways. That's one of the things that Drew Locke has to really keep in the front of his mind. Every quarterback needs to have, if they're going to be competent, speaking of competency, if they're going to be competent in the NFL, Zach, they got to have that timer, that buzzer, that alarm clock in their head when, you know, to get rid of the football. But especially so because, as Hardy points out, I think aptly, the longer that quarterback holds onto the ball, like Joe Flacco, and is immobile, the more Garrett Bowles is going to find himself painted into those corners where push comes to shove and he tackles a dude, you know, because he just runs out of options in his, in his own mind. I'm going to just throw an asterisk on this. Like he developed into a solid tackle for those five games. I don't understand how that exonerates him for the past two seasons. It has to be consistent. He has to be reliable. If he can do what he did last year for a full 16 game schedule, then yeah, we can say he's an above average, above replacement level, whatever label you want to use for Garrett Bowles. Uh, but until then, I wouldn't say you can't focus on the good and ignore the bad. It goes both ways. You have to take everything into consideration. And for a number 20 overall draft pick for five games compared to three seasons, the, the scales are a little uneven there. James Campbell, who's going to be on the podcast on Wednesday night. We're going to have him on as one of our superstars and get a chance to uh, talk to him about how he ended up as a Broncos fan in the United Kingdom. But he says, I think the Broncos declined Bowles' option to motivate him and stagger their contracts at the important positions. And maybe, Zach, that's something we can get a more in-depth perspective from James on when we talk to him on Wednesday. Why do we have to coddle Garrett Bowles? I'm not going to keep going on Garrett Bowles' rants here, but if we have to decline options, we have to put him in open competitions with lesser players, if we have to focus on five games and ignore two two and a half seasons, I don't want to do that from a first-round pick. If he was a fourth-round, fifth-round pick, fine, but not for a number 20 overall draft pick. I refuse to coddle the guy personally. All right, let's see what else we got here, guys. Here's a good question from Kenneth Booker. Looking back now, what would you have done differently in Super Bowl 48? I would have hit Wilson, Russell Wilson, late, not to hurt, but to show we weren't rolling over. DT took that big hit um, by Cam Chancellor, and we folded. Man, there are so many things that you go back and do differently if you're the Denver Broncos in Super Bowl 48, including practicing with noise, practicing and you know preparing for the eventuality that there's going to be noise. But really, Zach, as soon as that ball went flying over Peyton Manning's head on the first snap, it just shell-shocked the Broncos. It really did. It just threw them completely off their game and and completely sapped them of their confidence, their energy. And it was like a feeding frenzy. It was like blood going in the water for you know a, a school of piranha. The, the Seahawks just suddenly fed on that and just went crazy. And the Broncos – they just didn't have. They just couldn't bounce back from that. There's so many things that you ch- you you go back and try and change on that. But I think honestly, 
if that pass or that snap, excuse me, doesn't go flying over Peyton Manning's head and it's just another run of the mill first snap of the game for Peyton Manning and Manny Ramirez, it's entirely possible. I'm not necessarily saying it would have been. It's entirely possible that Super Bowl 48 plays out quite differently. However, I think you can't take away from the Seahawks that they came to play that game. It was very similar dynamic to the Broncos in Super Bowl 50. Here you had a very prolific number one offense that year, same as the the Panthers in Super Bowl 50, that was riding really high, and a defense with a young quarterback in the Seattle Seahawks in 2013 that felt like they were being overlooked and had something to prove, same as the Broncos, just different quarterback situation in Super Bowl 50. Yeah, I was going to say what I would have done differently is not have Peyton Manning in shotgun. I'd have him under center for that first snap. And you never know <laughs> what could have happened. But like you said, Chad, sometimes the wheels just come off and when it rains, it pours. Whatever cliche you want to use, that's what happened. The Broncos really weren't built to come from behind. They were, again, ahead of you kind of team and just keep the foot on the gas pedal. Whereas Seattle was built where they get a lead. They just, like you said, blood in the water. That's where they they were fueled from. That's how they love to play. It was just a, a worst-case scenario, a, a nightmare situation for Denver I don't think you know Seattle gets paid too you can argue that nothing would have really changed that outcome you can argue that it was destiny it was fate for Seattle to win the title that year their defense was just historically good they had you know a great quarterback you you could argue that no matter what would have happened that game it would have been in Seattle's favor but that first snap how it started it just set the whole tone for all four quarters all right this is something that not to uh, show too much favoritism to Kenneth here by grabbing two in a row, but I've noticed this is something he's been asking us a few times that we just haven't ever had time to grab. This idea of Champ Bailey's 20, uh, 2006 season, why he didn't win Defensive Player of the Year. Also, why did they uh, give up on Champ as a returner and a spot receiver? They are going to use him like Dion. Honestly, I don't think the NFL should ever for, be forgiven for allowing, who was it, Sean Merriman that won Defensive Player of the Year that year, if I'm not mistaken, of the the Chargers. Regardless of who won it, there was no question that Champ Bailey was the best defensive player in the NFL that season. It was a phenomenal season. There's no excuse. But Champ was not brought in. The second aspect there, Zach, and I know this predates your time covering the team, but Champ was not brought in to be Dion playing slot, you know, being the gadget guy, being a returner. He was brought in to be the lockdown, shutdown cornerback. They tried him a little bit. Shanahan, you know, played around with him and and got in the heads a little bit of opposing defenses. But for whatever reason, ultimately wanted to keep Champ's focus on defense. Yeah, I mean, they're two Hall of Fame caliber cornerbacks, but they're cut from a different cloth. Deion Sanders was one of one, and Champ Bailey was one of one. They did, they did a lot of different things, did a lot of things similar as well. Like you said, they were never going to use him in that role, and they just had him cover receivers. And you know what, Chad? He was pretty damn good at that uh, aspect of his job. Um, who was it that won the deep Defensive Player of the Year in 2006? I know. Okay, so I'm looking at Merriman's... I'm just going to Google it. Now it's bothering me. Defensive NFL. Kenneth says Jason Taylor. Jason Taylor. Let me look at his stats real quick. That's far enough back that I don't have that Rolodex in my my brain. Let me just look at 2006. So Jason Taylor that year. All right, let me look here. So he had 13 and a half sacks in 2006. That got him defensive player of the year. If that's true, and I'm not saying it's it's not, I just haven't verified it. 
Let me just show you guys real quick, Champ Bailey, 2006. So you can see what we're talking about here. Champ Bailey in, in 2006, um, 10 interceptions, one touchdown, pick six, had 162 return yards, Zach, 162 return yards. That's more than like half of the league quarterbacks get rushing every year. Uh, fumble recovery. The dude was phenomenal. 86 tackles, 74 of which were solo. Let me see. Passes defense. He had 21 passes defense. So all, all due respect to, to Jason Taylor. I just, to this day, I'm with you on that, Kenneth. It sticks in my craw that Champ did not earn that honor because, you know, maybe maybe it was during a time where the NFL was a little bit loath to hand that honor to a, a cornerback. I think it was uh, Charles Woodson that ended up kind of changing that a little bit, a couple of, not too many years later in Green Bay. But anyway, Champ Bailey was such, that that was the peak of his career, man. He was in prime for 2006. Yeah, miss him. Miss, miss him indeed. All right, let me see. Glenn wants to know, next question should be the five most overrated Broncos. Maybe that's something we can talk about later on in the week. If Monday is any indication, Topics wise, news wise, it's going to be a slow week. So we can probably, we can probably get to that. All right. We got a couple of super chats that have stacked up. Let me grab Jeff here. Really appreciate the support. Jeff, he says, come on, Zach, Kareem balled out consistently. So that's one, that's, that's one bone that I'll pick too, as well, Zach, is just that I get it. You know, one year, only one year as a starter in Denver, but in Kareem's case, one thing that is different between he and Alexander Johnson, for example, Alexander Johnson really only has 12 starts in the NFL under his belt. Whereas in Kareem's case, he's got a decade of playing in the NFL. Last year was his 10th uh, year in the NFL. I gave him credit for his stats. I thought he fit in really well with the team. I'm just saying I want to see him do it in a Broncos uniform for more than one season. I I don't think he's underrated or overrated right now. I just think he's a a player on the Broncos that doesn't get a lot of shine or national credit, and that happened when he was on the Texans as well. It was great last year. I'm not disputing that. I just want to see him do it for more than one season in a row. That's all. Man, he was just – what, I'm trying to think back what game it was that he missed early on in the season. I want to say it was the Jaguars game he missed with an injury. I'm 99% sure I'm right on that. And I remember talking on the podcast after that game, because if you guys can remember, that was another one of those heartbreakers where the Broncos just could not catch a break that came down to the final drive. Uh, who what, what was his name? I just had Gardner Minshew finds a way with a little help from the refs to move the chains and get a field goal or whatever it was on the final possession, and they walk off the field with the W, do the Jaguars. If Kareem Jackson is in that game, I don't think the Broncos end up losing that one. And then who knows how that could have altered the destiny of of the season ultimately. But Kareem Jackson, what I'm getting at is he was a big-time difference maker for this team last year. It's going to be fun to see him in his second year as a Bronco. Yeah, plus he's also, what, 32? I mean, you can't really be 32 and yeah. be underrated, can you? So he's he's getting up there in age as well. He'll always go down, I think, when it's all said and done as just a really solid, but in most cases, unspectacular player. Very, very consistent, but not an Ed Reed type of safety. Not a game-changing Jamal Adams type of safety. We got Mark Langley, bona fide superstar, jumping in on on uh, with a $5 super. Really appreciate that, Mark. And we uh, tweeted out, we Instagrammed Mark's Killer, just top shelf YouTube profile pick. Rocking the football priest hat, rocking the state of being hoodie. We love it. Appreciate you sending that to me, by the way, Mark. He says, what's up, my guys? 
Hashtag. <laughs> Buckle up, gang. Garrett <laughs> underrated underwear. Hashtag Garrett change your drawers. <laughs> Hashtag Dookie Bowls. Hashtag used toilet bowls. Hashtag football priest. Hashtag orange crush. Huddle up pod. We love it, dude. Thanks, Mark. You, you inject that levity. We need it in each and every podcast. And when you're not in the stream, dude. Oh, it sucks. Our Life's not worth our, living. Yeah. The mood, our mood just suffers. Yeah. Appreciate you, Mark. It's, it's every time I laugh, I don't, it says more about us. I think Chad and our sense of humor <laughs> than it does Chris, the hashtags. I think here too, Christy's talking about Super Bowl 48. She's saying I had a huge Super Bowl party, talked so much crap. Then I sat on my couch and basically <laughs> cried. I think, Almost a lot of all of Broncos country was sharing that exact same uh, feeling because 606 points, Peyton Manning de- destroying all comers, 55 touchdowns, you know, 5,500 yards almost passing. It seemed like the Broncos were a juggernaut, but what was missing from the equ- – that could not be beat, but what was missing who had suffered an ACL. So just those two guys alone, you think if the Broncos have them – and I know Vaughn, that was a real off year for him because of the suspension and then the injury, but – if he doesn't suffer the injury, you got Miller and Harris in that game. Lord only knows how it could have altered the ultimate outcome. But still, I I, uh, I think a lot of fans can relate to what Christie's saying there. I mean, I remember crying during a different Seattle Super Bowl when they passed on the goal line when you have Marshawn Lynch against the Patriots. How does that happen? Still not over that yet, Chad. Amen. Here's Eclipse jumping in. One of our superstars. Really appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. He says, besides Peyton, what Bronco do you think will make, or what Broncos do you think will make the 2021 Hall of Fame ballot or induction? If Carl Mecklenburg or Randy Gratishar don't make it, I'm going to flip. Yeah, I don't think Mecklenburg really has a shot, to be honest with you. I don't know why he hasn't really ever made it out of, of those committees, but who knows, man? I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I think Mecklenburg is deserving. I think Mecklenburg is a guy played in three Super Bowls in the 80s for the Broncos, couldn't quite get over the hump, but he started at all seven front seven positions as a pro in the NFL. Think about that for a minute. All seven front seven positions. And if he, Zach, was a Cowboy, if he was a Steeler, if he was right. a Packer, if he was a Giant, even if he was a Dolphin, he's in the Hall of Fame. And the same could be said for Randy Gratishar. I do think, though, that if you had to make a decision between those two, getting back to what Eclipse is asking here, I think Gratishar is the one that has the best chance of potentially joining Peyton as a member of the 2021 class. And then, of course, Steve Outwater will be enshrined officially at the same time as Peyton ends up as well. Yeah, I don't know. You can you can talk about Broncos bias and all that. I wouldn't hold your breath on Mecklenburg or Gratishar. Deserving as they are, it just seems like they're not getting enough national momentum for that. Mike Shanahan, though, comes to mind. I think he's a deserving candidate. You really can't think of too many more besides Peyton and the, you know, Bolin's in, Bailey's in, you know, Atwater's going to be in. You can maybe argue Rod Smith or Mike Shanahan, but I think Peyton is the only surefire lock for next year. Peyton yeah, and, and Atwater. If you're talking locks, Absolutely. But there are so many different Broncos deserving of Hall of Fame consideration that, you know, I think the, the one of the guys in Bronco media that does the one of the best jobs at making the case for deserving Broncos snubs for the Hall of Fame is Mile High Huddle's Tom Hall. And one of these days we'll get him on the podcast and let him drop some knowledge on some of these these deserving Broncos who deserve to be in the Hall. And he can lay it out for you. I mean, most Broncos fans don't need reminders on why Randy Gratishar, for example, but Tom Hall could lay it out. Lewis Wright, 
Carl Mecklenburg could lay it out. Even Simon Fletcher, who, although he never garnered a Pro Bowl, Simon Fletcher never even got into the Pro Bowl as a Bronco. But nevertheless, we'll get Tom on one of these days, maybe sometime between now and when camp starts, and talk uh, talk a little Hall of Fame. It'll it'll be a guess. Let's grab Stu just showing some love on Super Chat. Zeus condescending from on high, way up from MHH Mount Rushmore coming down, showing some support. Thank you, you know, love you, Stu. Appreciate you, my friend. And also, <clears throat> Stu, for what it's worth, I'm going to reach out to you on Facebook here in the next couple of days or so. Zach and I want to arrange to have you on the podcast as yeah. one of our next superstars. Meet and greet to the community if you want to. Don't take it as an obligation. It's just an invitation. So if that's something uh, that is in the cards, I'll, I'll uh, message it and then you let me know. We'd like you to be one of our next guests on the show. Um, here's KP jumping back in. Really appreciate the support, my friend, Bonafide Superstar. Thank you, Kenneth. Kenneth needs to write a book with his impeccable stat knowledge. Maybe the first copy you could give to Zach for his lonely shelf. Hashtag play in Zach. You know what? I'm going to keep it purposely desolate for that reason, Kevin. Just to tick you off, I'm going to I'm going to take things down from the shelf and let's see, let's see how what you say to that. Mark jumping back in again. Really appreciate the support, my friend. Keeps us going. Seriously, it really helps us to keep these podcasts going. The support we receive from the community on Super Chat and continuing to bring you this content, even on a slow Monday on freaking June 29th after an entire offseason that was just squashed by the word that shall go unnamed, it's our superstars that are keeping us afloat. So thank you, Mark. Back to my MHH profile pick. This is the way, because remember he changed it temporarily. It was shown on the last pod. Hashtag the Mandalorian. Hashtag Chad and Mark. Step bros. Hashtag Zach is always Perna. Hashtag Broncos country. Love it, dude. Thank you, yeah, Mark. One of these days, Mark, hopefully we, we get a chance to cross paths with you in the flesh because it'd be fun, I think, to kick back and share an adult beverage. Um, Christy, as always, anytime she's in the stream, she's showing love on Super Chat, and it does not go unappreciated by your football priest. Christy, we appreciate you so much. Thank you, Queen Christy. She says, keep the Bulls jokes coming, though. It's funny, dude. It's good. It's He's a pro making millions of dollars. It's all good, guys. We can have a little fun at his expense. Uh, let's see here. Glenn, we're running out of time. We're at 58 minutes, so we'll grab one or two more here that's stacked up, and then we'll we'll catch you guys later. But Glenn, jumping in with a $5 super. Thank you, Glenn. In these dog days, it would be fun if we MHHers put a campaign together for a player or two who haven't gotten into the ring of fame yet. Hashtag Steve Watson. Hmm. Steve Watson is a fair uh, candidate for that. I could think personally, I could think of probably 10 guys in my opinion, that would be more deserving of Steve Watson, but getting back to Glenn's point, putting together a campaign or something like that, you know, it's something that we would definitely want to want to, uh, we would sponsor, we would uh, encourage from the community, but it couldn't come necessarily from, MHH, because MHH, as milehighhuddle.com is a part of Sports Illustrated, we can't really campaign per se for certain things. We've got to maintain objective in yeah. the interwebs. However, we could definitely, if our superstars arrange something, got something going, we could definitely get behind that and help push it and promote it and get it out there. So if someone wants to take the lead on that in the community, 
anyone out there that has kind of some uh, organizational skills, some leadership skills, maybe a little bit of blogging, typing skills, consider it because we'd make be it, happy to, to sponsor that. Make it happen, Broncos country. We're behind you. All right, let me see. Make sure we're not missing anybody. I think that's it. Guys, just uh, kind of a slow Monday in terms of news, but not a slow conversation. Zach, that's the thing is it can be a dead day from a news perspective. We show up, we have one or two topics we want to get to, but really just the conversation, it's like I, I, I use this as, a, as an example all the time, but it's like get you know people, you punch the clock, nine, get out at 5 p.m., head to your favorite watering hole for happy hour. And it's like just hanging out with the dudes that you see every day and the people in the at the bar, you're chewing the cud, you're talking about the latest water cooler issues, whatever. Time passes and flies so quickly, and, man, it's just fun. Every time I look up, it, I see it starting when we're first starting the pod. It's at like 15, 16 seconds when we say let it breathe, and then I look up next, and it's an hour, hour and 10 minutes goes by. When you have fun chat, I'll say it again. It's never really work. It's just a passion. It's something we love doing, super chats or not, you know, being live or not. We just love talking football, and we're so grateful for the audience and the listeners that we have. And, guys, think of this. And by the way, Buana, reminding everybody, leave a quick like before you bounce on out of here, wherever you're watching, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, leave us a quick like. But think about it now. We can keep these conversations fun, engaging, compelling, with not a whole lot of happening uh, as it relates to Bronco land. Just wait, man. Just as soon as the cleats hit the grass in training yeah. camp, it's going to be open season here at Mile High Huddle and the Huddle Up podcast. And we cannot wait for that to happen. But gang, that's got to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. Thanks to each and every one of you for showing up and for helping to keep the conversation going live. We really appreciate it. Mile high salute to our Super Chat superstar. Seriously, you guys, it means the world to us. You know that. And really quick, a reminder, make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod while you're at it at Mile High Huddle. And you're definitely not going to want to forget to follow my partner, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL. And you can find me at Chad and Jensen on Twitter. Gang, we'll be back in the saddle Wednesday. Will the Huddle Up podcast. And we're going to have James Campbell, one of our superstars in the community from across the pond on to get, uh, we'll talk some Broncos. We'll talk what turned him on to being a Broncos fan uh, all the way in the United Kingdom and how he sees specific issues, what his outlook is on 2020. It's going to be a gas, but don't forget to show up tomorrow night for Nick and Carl and building the Broncos. I'm sure they've got a great show planned for you guys. And Zach, I know we're just kicking off the week, so have a great start to your week, my brother. You as well, my friend. And uh, I'm looking forward to having James on Wednesday. And until we just have to hang in there because we're less than a month out officially. We're 29 days away from training camp starting on July 28th next month. So I can't wait for that to happen, Chad. Like you said, there needs to be cleats on the grass ASAP. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, Broncos country. Stay positive. Stay optimistic. Remember the PSA from the other night? Mask up is the best way to open the way to ensure the NFL season comes on schedule. So just just be aware of that. No skin off anyone's teeth wearing a mask if you walk into a Walmart or whatever. So just keep that in mind. But, gang, end of PSA, end of sermon. That's Zach Kelberman. I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you guys again Wednesday night. And we're going to have James on 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. Shout out to Buona Beast. We'll talk to you then. 
You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.